Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. I am joined by Dr. Destiny Kopp, and she is a business and marketing expert who helps entrepreneurs scale their digital product revenue with automated sales funnels and reduce their reliance on services or freelance work. She is a college marketing professor turned online entrepreneur, and she is also the host of the Course Creators MBA podcast and the creator of the One Click MBA membership. Welcome. I am so excited to have you here. Tara, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you today. I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about your story and how you got started in your business. I'll take you all the way back to when I worked in corporate marketing. I was a director in a Fortune 50 company. We had an $800 million revenue target that we were responsible for hitting. And I was working a ton of hours in that nine to five role that I have. And I'm sure a lot of people listening here can relate to that. And I got extremely burnt out. I had two young kids at that point in time, and I really wanted something that was more flexible. So what I did, I took a package with that particular company. They were going through a restructuring and I started looking for something else. And at that point in time, this is when online courses were just getting started at the university level. So people were just starting to take courses online. And I looked around and I found a job as an adjunct faculty member teaching marketing at the university level. And I was like, you know what? That's perfect for me. I can do it out of my house. I can run to my kid's school if I needed to. I could pick them up. I could go meet them for lunch. It was just perfect for me at the point in time. And I did that for many, many years. And I stayed with the university and I did a lot of different positions with them, all the way from program director to assistant dean to my last job with them was an associate vice chancellor of academic affairs. And By this time, online courses were really starting to take off. And I had always wanted to start my own business. Like many of us listening to here, that was an itch that I really wanted to scratch, really wanted to be my own boss. So what I decided to do, I put a transition plan in place and moved and left my nine to five academic role and started my own business. And that's when I decided to take all of my marketing knowledge that I had and my knowledge of creating online courses and wanted to help other business owners do the same. That is such an awesome story and how you got started. And really your marketing knowledge is so valuable and so needed in the entrepreneur space. 
when I first started my own business, and honestly, <laughs> Tara, I thought this was going to be easy for me. I'm a college marketing professor. I'd been in corporate marketing, had an $800 million product portfolio. But let me tell you, marketing and being a solopreneur and doing it all on your own, or mostly on your own, right? I have some people who help me now, but doing it mostly on your own is very different than having a huge marketing staff where you have a huge budget. You have a lot of people working for you. You might even have an outside agency that you can go to, to get marketing stuff done. This was a different beast. And it was to be completely transparent here. It was much more difficult than I thought it was going to be. I came into this thinking, oh, this is going to be easy for me. I have so much marketing knowledge. I've been in the field for over 20 years. But really, there were a lot of things that when it came down to marketing your business and yourself online, that I really had to dig in and learn myself. So that's what I did. When I was making my transition plan and just getting started in this, I rolled up my sleeves and really dug into things like sales funnels, things like Facebook ads, things like even social media marketing and that sort of thing. So it was, I would say, even for somebody like me, there was a big learning curve there. I think a lot of people think that running a business is so easy. (laughs) Like it's just, you show up and the people will come and there's so many facets to it that I feel like that's a big reason why so many solopreneurs and people who are starting a business actually fail is because they go into it just thinking that if you create something awesome, people will come and it's so easy. But especially for you, like you said, having all of that on your shoulders as a solopreneur at the beginning, that would have been a real eye-opener, I think. For sure. And what I tell people now, because I want them to understand a lot does come into this, that owning an online course or membership business is, you know, I always tell them it's 10% product creation, but it's 90% marketing. It's 90% of marketing your online course or your membership or whatever digital product you're selling. It's making sure that you have traffic strategies in place to so people even know that you exist. And that's one of the biggest hurdles I think that a lot of people struggle with, especially in the beginning. Especially service providers. They're awesome at what they do. They have the skills, but it's the marketing piece. Like how do they actually get in front of people? That's where a lot of people I feel like struggle and they can't find clients. They can't find customers, but they have the skills. They just need the marketing. Absolutely. And I can jump into it and talk about some of the things that I have found that have made the biggest difference in my business, some of the biggest drivers, if you would. And one of them is SEO and really focusing on the SEO for my website and driving traffic to my website. And this didn't happen overnight. So I didn't launch my website. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people started coming to my website. I spent a good amount of time doing SEO, meaning blogging and using the right keywords to attract the right people. And I will tell you that a lot of people in the past, especially like in the past six months, when they come and they sign up for my email list and I always ask them, you know, how did you find me? They're like, I found you through Google. And that is like music to my ears. (laughs) So, I mean, that this SEO and really focusing on that traffic is one of the things that I would always encourage folks to do. 
Especially introverts, because getting people coming to you organically through Google search is best case scenario for introverts. Well, absolutely. And I will tell you, I'm an extreme introvert. (laughs) I'm actually an INTJ on Myers-Briggs, so definitely an introvert. And I don't really like putting myself out there on social media. I mean, obviously I do it because I know how important it is, but blogging and even doing what we're doing today, podcasting, I felt like have been really, really big drivers of my business. What is your favorite marketing platform or method for your business? And has that changed over the years? What I love the best is podcasting. (laughs) If we're being quite honest, I have my own podcast called the Course Creators MBA Podcast. And I love that interaction. It gives me a way to meet people, but I also love guest podcasting. I highly recommend it for all entrepreneurs and business owners, even introverts, even though it's been a little difficult for me sometimes, right? To go out there and be a guest on other people's podcasts because I'm such an introvert. But one of the things that it allows you to do is to, it allows other people to get to know you from those audiences. So I would say, that's been one of the best things that I have enjoyed and that's working for me in terms of expanding my audience, if you would. Podcasts are huge and so valuable for getting your message out there in a way that you don't have to show up on video. And also the fact that they're not live, I think is really appealing to introverts because it can be edited. You don't have to be perfect. Absolutely. And I love the editing piece of it. If you make a mistake, you can always go back and kind of tweak something. Even on my own podcast, I have a podcast editor that I work with and I always tell her, just take out that one section where I had that blooper there and she does that for me. I love that because I've had a few members of my introvertpreneur club come on the podcast as guests and it was their first podcast experience. And they really got over that hurdle of doing it for the first time. And I tried to make it as easy as possible and make it a welcoming environment because I feel like that's important too for your first podcast. And I love telling people to get on Clubhouse. If you want to do podcasts or either create your own or be a guest on podcasts to increase your visibility, just go on Clubhouse and practice speaking in rooms. Try to get more confidence behind your voice. Cause I'll tell you when I first started my podcast, the first few episodes, I will not even go back and listen to them because I just feel like they're awful. I'm the same exact way. And I mentioned that to somebody just a few weeks ago, I told them, I said, I don't even listen to the first ones I had done. And even the first ones that I was on somebody else's podcast as a guest, I thought I really struggled in the beginning, but now I've done probably over a hundred of them. I would say it's super easy for me now. So definitely it gets easier the more you do them for sure. Practice definitely makes perfect and better confidence for sure. So what would you tell someone who is in the very beginning stages of their business? What I would say is if you're just starting out, I love for folks to start with service work rather than jumping into creating a digital product like an online course or a membership. The reason why I always suggest this is it allows you to get to know your ideal customer intimately. 
So you know exactly what their pain points are. You know exactly what their migraine is. You know exactly where they get stuck and where they need help. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to do service work for three years before you add other revenue streams to your product portfolio. But it does mean that you do need to roll up your sleeves and do that one-on-one or service work. So that's what I would suggest for somebody who's just getting started is have a very basic website with your about page and what kind of services you offer. You don't even have to do a major website, right? Just to get started. You could do something like a milkshake type landing page just to get out there and get started. Set up that, set up some social media accounts or wherever social media you're going to hang out on. And that gives you the opportunity to get started and let the world know what services you offer. And then once you've been doing it for a while, you can set up a more sophisticated website. You can start blogging or writing articles to demonstrate your expertise. And that will help you later down the road, like with your SEO, like what we've been talking about. The other thing that I would recommend once you get your website set up is make sure you have a lead magnet on it. To, so you can start building your email list. So some type of basic lead magnet, whatever that is, just to start attracting people into your world, building your email list so that when you want to launch a digital product or some other service later down the road, you have some people in your world that you can actually market it to. Yeah. Your email list is so valuable. Like at the beginning of my business, I did not focus on email marketing at all. And I really dived into it in the last two years and it's been so rewarding. Like I always felt, especially as an introvert, I didn't want to send emails to people. I was worried about people unsubscribing and not wanting to hear from me. And now it's at the point where these are warm leads. These are people that want to hear from me. They're interested in something I have to say or offer. So I'm going to continue to share with them. When I think what you experienced with worried about people unsubscribing as an introvert, I think we all felt that way. I know I did in the beginning. So you are definitely not alone in that. But the reality is they're on your email list for a reason. Now they can always unsubscribe. That's fine. Maybe their business has changed. It's most likely not personal, right? It's not anything that you have done or said. Maybe they've just done their business has changed and they're going a different route, which is fine. But focusing on building that email list is one of the highest priorities that I have in my business. I was just talking right before this call about my email list and how now I'm at the point where I actually am happy when people unsubscribe because I mean, as your list grows and grows, depending on your email marketing platform, your monthly fee is based on how many subscribers you have. So now I'm just, I'm happy when people leave, if they're not interested and they're not going to stay engaged with my email list. I would rather them unsubscribe. Absolutely. And I can tell you this, I have ConvertKit as my email service provider and I am paying them way too much money. I actually have two businesses. So I use 
active campaign for one main business. And then I use ConvertKit for the other. So it's very costly as your email list grows. So yeah, I've definitely switched mindsets from when my list was under a thousand. Every time I would send out an email that I was really excited about and I would get five, 10 people unsubscribe from that email, I would get down on myself because it was a smaller list. But really as it grows, you're going to change your mindset about that. And you're going to actually be happy when people leave, because if they're not interested and engaged, or, you know, if things have changed in their business, like you said, and they're just not your main audience now, it's fine. Let them leave. (laughs) I saw that you mentioned on your website that systems have saved your business and your sanity. So I love systems. I love automations and being more productive, but I'd love for you to tell us more about that and maybe some business tools that you would recommend or that you're loving right now? Honestly, I could talk about systems all day long. I use Asana as my project management system. So all of my workflows and everything are in Asana's. Like going back to the podcasting. So the podcast workflow, whether it's finding guests, whether it's the podcast production part of it, I have all the steps listed out. One of the things is when I've brought on people to my business, like the podcast editor that I have that works with me now, I have been able to give her my system and she can follow along all the different steps. And it's so much easier for me to train new people coming along. So really what I have learned is every single thing that you do in your business that you kind of do like a robot or you do it automatically, not really thinking about it. Somebody new that you're bringing on into your business might not remember or know about all of those steps. So it's good to have all of that written down. Another example would be, I have this membership and sometimes with memberships, as we all know, sometimes you have members who don't update their credit card. So I have systems in there that walk the virtual assistant through all the steps that they need to take to reach out to the member, to try to retain them after we've reached out to them so many times, what they need to do to pause the membership or deactivate it and make the changes in Kajabi, which is the online course platform that we do. So writing down all of those step by step by steps with all the email templates, just make it so much easier for somebody else to assist you in that. And to make sure that you as a business owner, if you don't have people helping you, just to make sure that you don't miss an important step. So I use Asana for all of that and then have like SOPs or standard operator procedures for things like the membership failed payment plan. The other thing I'll give you an example of something that I have set up in terms of important part of my business is all the PR stuff that I do. So I place a major emphasis in my business in terms of going out and finding PR opportunities, whether that is speaking at virtual summits, whether that's being a guest on somebody's podcast or doing some type of written interview for, I've done them for like Authority Magazine or what have you. I have a system in place where I track everybody that I've reached out to, when that particular PR effort airs, when I promote it. So I have all of that systematized too. That's so important, especially as your business grows. There's so many moving pieces with everything, like whether it's the PR opportunities or your podcast weekly, like everything. There's so many moving pieces with every 
big project that having those workflows is so essential. I think as a business owner, you really just have to start documenting what you do on a regular basis. Like for instance, this is not necessarily something I do every single day, but for the last three months, I've been working on this virtual summit that I'm hosting in September. And one of the things I did, especially this time, is start documenting everything because I'm hoping the next time that I run the summit, I'm going to have somebody doing most of this for me. That was a big effort in documenting all of that because that's three months worth of work, right? But I've been working on it for the past three months. So documenting all those steps so I can hand it over to somebody to manage it going forward. That just reminded me about your summit. You actually introduced me to a tool via your summit content snare. And I signed up and have started using it for my questionnaires. And I'm working on a website project for a client and I sent everything through that. And I was like, this is amazing having everything in one place. So thank you for that. (laughs) So Content Snare, I don't think I could do as big of a summit as I'm doing because we have a good amount of speakers in it. And it was just a way to gather all of their information. And the system automatically sent out notices if somebody was past the due date. So I wasn't having to do all of that. It did it all for me. I just go into the system and pull their information and put it into the platform that we're using to host the online summit. It was a game changer. And I will say, Tara, I didn't use it the last time I hosted my summit and I had to do all of that via email and it was a nightmare. I had the uh, Introvertpreneur Summit in April and we had over 40 speakers and I'm definitely using that next April for the summit. Like I love how it's all streamlined. It's all in one place. They get reminders automatically. Even as the guest, it's so helpful to have everything in one place with the due dates for each section. It was amazing. I fell in love with that tool as soon as I saw your form for that. So I know you use evergreen sales funnels. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about how you use sales funnels in your business, because I really think, especially for introverts, Evergreen sales funnels are so beneficial because it's more hands off, but it still gets you results and conversions. The majority of my business does run on evergreen. Some people call them automated sales funnels. And I would say as an introvert, this has definitely been one of the best things that I've implemented in my business. In the past, I've done like live launches with webinars or challenges. And I will say that it was very difficult for me as an introvert to do a live webinar, to do these live five-day challenges. It was so draining to do them. So I was like, something needs to change. And that's when I went in and set up these evergreen sales funnels in my business. And it really has made a huge difference for me. So I'll walk you through how I set up the one for my membership. So basically, when people come into my world, they have an option to sign up for my free mini course, which is the five-day challenge delivered through a mini course. And throughout that particular mini course, I promote my membership in the actual course itself and also through the email nurture sequence. And throughout then they have the opportunity to sign up for my membership. It's like a 10 day sales funnel. So they go through this and they can sign up for my membership and it's definitely working. The conversion rate isn't what you would generally see 
in a live launch, like if you were doing a live webinar or a challenge, but it's a typical conversion rate that you would see for an evergreen type sales funnel. Now, like I mentioned, I'm doing the virtual summit in September. It's the only live launch, if you would, that I do in my business. I only do it once a year, maybe twice a year if I'm feeling really energetic. But those live launches are very draining for me as an introvert. So I highly recommend that all businesses have these evergreen sales funnels set up in their business. I've done live launching before and I had definitely a similar experience to you. It's just so draining and exhausting and so much work. I feel like once you get something on Evergreen, it works in the background. If you're launching twice per year or you have something on Evergreen, the Evergreen conversion over the entire year is probably going to be better than those two live launches that you dedicated 100 hours to and so much energy and we're just exhausting at the end. So I love them, but especially for introverts. And you can set up an evergreen sales funnel and it's going to run in the background of your business. Now that doesn't mean that you don't need to go back and make tweaks here and there. You need to be looking at your numbers. You need to be looking at your email open rates. What are people doing in your course? That sort of thing. So I don't want people to think that you can just set it up and forget it and never look at it again, but it is definitely a way to get revenue coming into your business on a regular basis. I see so many people doing live launches and they're like, oh, a six-figure launch, six-figure month. And they do like 10-day live challenge and they're going live on Instagram and on Facebook and they're doing live workshops. And I'm just like, oh man, I would be exhausted for months after that. (laughs) It would definitely drain me. More power to them, but it's not something that I could do in my business. I totally agree. And I think for any introverts listening, definitely look into Evergreen. It's definitely going to save you a lot of energy, stress, time, and it's probably going to be a much better, like you said, sustainable way to grow your business. The one thing I did want to mention is that in the virtual summit that you're a speaker in too, that we're doing in September, we will have a full day dedicated to evergreen or automated sales funnels. So folks can definitely check that out. Yeah, for sure. That's such a valuable resource because I feel like a lot of people talk more about live launching than they do evergreen. It's more like evergreen is an afterthought to the live launch where you don't necessarily have to do a live launch with all the bells and whistles that a lot of people do. And they do work. It's just like, if it's not going to be sustainable for you and it's going to drain your energy, there are other ways to do it. So I would love to hear for anyone who is considering creating their first course, what would your top tip be for them on getting started with that? Generally, what I recommend is people start with teaching what they know. And I'll give you an example here. This is not my area of expertise. So somebody out here who's actually a website designer, they might say, I wouldn't do it that way. And that's fine. So let's assume you're a website designer, you create Squarespace websites, and you've been doing this for a while and your rates have grown, right? You charge $5,000 to do somebody's Squarespace website, but you have people who are coming to you and they want to work with you, but they're not at a point in their business where they can pay you 5,000. 
You want to help them get started. You want to help them create a very basic website, maybe just a landing page with an about me section, a services section, and maybe even a way to start collecting email addresses. But at some point in the future, when their business is up and running, they might hire you to do that fancy website. So think about in your business, what could you put together What is a quick win as a mini course that you could put together to help that type of person who wants to work with you in the future, but they're not really ready for you yet. So it's kind of figuring out what that niche is, that certain person that you want to serve. And I generally recommend, Tara, is starting with a mini course rather than a full-blown signature course or something that's going to take you six months or more to create. And what I like about mini courses is you can market them different ways. You can use them as a tripwire, which is on the back end of a thank you page when somebody signs up for a lead magnet. On the next page, you have this little mini sales page that says, wait, before you go, I have this special offer that you might be interested in. You can use it for clients who aren't ready to work with you yet. You can put it on your website as an option for them to work with you. There's just a lot of different ways that you can market a mini course. And the other thing I love about mini courses is they're easy to build, right? Or easier to build, I should say. And it's easier for somebody who's just dipping their toes into online course creation to get started. So I think that is the first place I would start is figuring out for those people that aren't necessarily paying your higher end pricing, but you want to help them get started, what's keeping them from moving forward, kind of figuring out where they're stuck and honing in on that particular topic for your course. And I also love positioning it in a way that if you create a mini course, that is a great way to, if you're on a discovery call and a client says like they just can't afford your rates, instead of getting into that, like, oh, maybe I should readjust my packages or give them a deal. You could hold firm in your rates and say, well, for now, I do have this mini course that was available for X dollars that is going to give you my tips and strategies and get you started. So it's a great way to downsell them if their main issue is pricing, like not wanting to pay your package price, or if it's a monthly recurring retainer investment, it's a really great way to still keep them in your world and give them pieces of what they need to get started and get results. And then once they get results, they may decide to outsource it and hire you. Absolutely. So many people that I've worked with in the past, this is how they got started in the online course creation. It was just figuring out that other niche that's in their world that they weren't able to serve, maybe because of their price point or whatever, but those people still needed their help. So figuring out what that is and offering that to them can add that additional revenue stream into your business. Otherwise, they would just leave and go somewhere else and you might not ever see them again. But if you keep them in your world, they could possibly at some point in the future, build up their business so that they're able to pay, gladly pay that $5,000 price point for your service. I know a lot of people, because I was a Pinterest manager, I'm going to use Pinterest as an example. People think 
that it's easy and that there's only a few things that like a Pinterest manager would do. And then if you give them a course that shows them all of the steps and gives them what they need to do to get the results, they're going to go through that course and they're going to be like, okay, this is a lot of work. I don't have time for this. I don't want to do this. You've helped me understand it. But as soon as I get the income, I am outsourcing this. And obviously I'm going to reach back out to you because I saw your course. I can see your value and your skills and that you know what you're talking about. So it's a really good way to build up your authority too with clients or potential clients. And I wasn't even thinking about that as an example, but you're completely right. As you were talking about that, I was thinking about if I had not done all this work for these virtual summits that I've hosted in the past, I wouldn't know how it took me three months worth of work, right? To do it. So that puts it in perspective for you of why people charge so much to do this type of service work. And again, like if you go through a course, you're going to get what you need to do something, but you don't have the experience as actually hiring a professional who has done it for years and actually created this course content. So if you get to that point where you're like, this is something that I see the value in doing this, but I need to outsource it. Who are you going to reach out to? You're going to reach out to the person who downselled you into their course. The other thing that I just want to mention here, the other thing reason why I love the opportunity for service providers and freelancers to add online courses to their portfolio to get that extra revenue stream. It also allows them to take a step back and say no to certain clients that they don't want to work with. They can be maybe a little bit more choosy in terms of who they want to work with if they you know, have extra revenue streams. So that's another reason why I love digital products. That actually happened to me in my business when I was doing Facebook and Instagram ads. I had a lot of people, quite frankly, that were coming to me that weren't ready for them. And I really couldn't take their money from an ethical standpoint because they just weren't ready for Facebook and Instagram ads. So I pointed them to other products that I had just so they could get ready. But it also allowed me to pick and choose too who I wanted to work with. That's a really good point because if your service is only, it can feel like you're either saying yes or you're losing revenue. So those multiple streams is so beneficial and really does give you more power and confidence with who you choose to work with. I agree. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about your free five-day scale challenge that you have available. And we'll link this in the show notes as well. So that was part of the Evergreen Sales Funnel that I mentioned earlier. And this is just a mini course that I put together to help freelancers and service providers put together their business plan. If they were thinking about adding an online course or a membership to their service portfolio, to their product portfolio, how they would go about doing that. And just to see how it would look in terms of revenue in their business. So in this particular course, we walk through creating the business plan. So the goals of the business, the marketing plan, and we also look at the financials in terms of the numbers and what it would look like from that standpoint. That is awesome. For anyone who is thinking about creating digital products and courses, definitely grab that. Having a plan, I feel like is so essential, especially as you're figuring out a way to scale and add those additional revenue streams. You need to have a plan behind it. 
I agree. And it's the same plan going back to the systems that I use in my business. It's actually a Google sheet that people get access to as they go through this course. And it's the same business plan that I use in my business. And I update it every single month. Yeah, we will have that in the show notes for everyone to grab that. And I'd love to close out with where can anyone else find you online if they want to connect and learn more from you as well? Well, definitely my website is one of the best places to go. I hang out on mostly LinkedIn and Instagram, but I will say I'm loving Instagram. I've just really started using it here recently and I absolutely love it. If folks will have a question about online courses, digital products, scaling their business, I'm happy to answer any of those questions via the DM and Instagram. Just hit me up. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This has been so incredible. I I could talk about sales funnels and (laughs) systems all day. (laughs) Oh, me too, for sure. So Tara, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed being here with you today. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at introvertpreneur.com and at theterrorread.com, where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.